Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture lesson this morning will be taken from the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, and beginning with the 32nd verse. Jesus is with the disciples, and as the scripture reads, they were now on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going ahead of his disciples, who were filled with alarm. The people who followed him were afraid. Once again, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside and spoke of the things that were going to happen to him. Look, Jesus told them, we are going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and then hand him over to the Gentiles. These will make fun of him, spit on him, whip him, and kill him. And after three days, he will be raised to life. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, there is something that we want you to do for us. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked them. They answered, when you sit on your throne in the glorious kingdom, we want you to let us sit with you, one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Can you drink the cup that I must drink? Can you be baptized in the way that I must be baptized? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup I must drink and be baptized in the way that I must be baptized. But I do not have the right to choose who will sit at my right and my left. It is God who will give these places to those for whom he has prepared them. When the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together to him and said, You know that the men who are considered rulers of the people have power over them, and the leaders rule over them. This, however, is not the way it is among you. If one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, he must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life to redeem many people. Lord God, help us to understand the nature of the kingdom of God and our part in it. As we think together, there's two things that I would like for you to keep in mind. The third time that Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said simply to them, Look, we're going up to Jerusalem. Then the closing of that 45th verse where it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve. A religion without a cross. It seems that we're eternally looking for this religion without a cross. And yet, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see him as he finishes up his ministry in the countryside and says to his disciples, Now, we're going to the city. 
you would have thought that this would perhaps have been a time of great rejoicing because Jerusalem at that time was a city of that country, of course. As we can think of being New York or any of the other great metropolitan cities that we have in this country or in other countries, you thought it had been a time for them to have been thinking the same as we think. That would be a time for us to relax and take it easy. Maybe to go to a play or two, go down to the arena and see what's taking place, or go shopping. But it would be a time of a happy situation where it would be a completely a change of scenery and we would be able to go and participate in something that is different than what we have participated in before. But the sad truth of the situation is that the situation that existed on the road to Jerusalem, it was fairly charged with fear. In fact, it was so heavy and so devastating that I am quite sure that you could almost slice it with a knife. This is the third time that the Lord Jesus Christ has called his disciples aside and to talk to them. But I would remind you that the scripture says, speaking of the disciples, it said on the way to Jerusalem that they were filled with alarm. Now get the picture in mind as Mark paints the picture for us because I think it's very important. We see the Lord Jesus Christ out ahead of his disciples headed toward Jerusalem. Immediately behind the Lord Jesus Christ come the disciples. Immediately behind the disciples comes the crowd or the multitude following them into Jerusalem. It is always the same. And when the disciples are all anxious and upset, it always fills the multitude with fear and with trembling. I do not know, I have to speculate at this point to understand what was really taking place. Perhaps the disciples were reluctantly, well, yes, we know they were reluctantly going to Jerusalem because Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen there. Perhaps Jesus could hear them mumbling to themselves, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to go through this thing? Why does he have to go to Jerusalem? And notice that Mark picks it up and it catches it because Mark was one of them that Jesus had to talk to. As of this moment, it seems the disciples had not really been committed to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus called them aside from the crowd and said to them, Look, we are going to Jerusalem. It's not to be debated. It is not even to be in question anymore. It is a decision that has been made before I came upon the face of this earth. What I have told you must be. Now we are going to Jerusalem. And so they went to Jerusalem. Why is it that we hesitate to accept the religion and the call that comes to us from the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he... When Jesus told the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem the third time here on the road, I guess that was the thing that confirmed the cross. The rest of it is only history now. When he told them in a sense that it would not be questioned anymore, it would not be debated, this is the way that it's got to be and this is the way that it will be. With that decision, dear one, there became at the center of our religion a cross a cross. It has always been that way and it's going to continue to be that way. Jesus telling them and the preparation of it that this is what's going to happen 
And this is what is really going to take place. Now notice immediately what happens. Mark is the one who links these two together immediately. He comes back and it says then, James and John. Now Jesus had just told them there's going to be a cross. It's going to be suffering, going to be pain, going to be agony. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we would have you to do something for us. What do you want me to do? Will you give to my brother and to me the high honor in your kingdom, one of us to be at your right and the other one to be at your left? Dear ones, I wonder, I wonder if that is a position of us today. Are we destined, are we destined forever? Are we destined forever to be on the way to Jerusalem? When will it come in your life and my life that we come to the place where we arrive at Jerusalem? I think one of the greatest things that happens to us within a church that we continuously remain on this road confused, frustrated, bickering. I do not have to look at your heart to know. As all I have to do is check my own. To know one of the things I do not want to do when I really stop to think about it. I really don't want to arrive at that place of total, total commitment to God. I find that here's where most of us hesitate. And yet there can be no really movement of God's kingdom until you and I will come to the place where we will say without any hesitation and without any reservation, Lord, let it be so. Whatever you call, whatever you call for. You see, as long as we remain on this road and not completely and totally committed, whether we be a church or whether it be me as an individual or you as an individual, we will experience exactly what these people experienced here on the road. Confusion, frustration, fear, anxiety about what is to be and what is yet to come. Would to God that we could come to the place within our life and our life together, that we could come to the cross of Christ, arrive at the Jerusalem, and say to the Lord, let it be. Have we forgotten at the center of our religion is a cross? There was a man that I read this article written, and the thing that makes the article so important is the man that is writing this article. Look who he is, William Ford. He is a communication secretary of the National Council of Churches, a high and honored, respected position that he sees the total scope of the church from his position. And he says that there's a dangerous trend in the church today and in churchmanship today that is manifested to some degree in relation to what he calls the electronic church. And that is a church that is completely disconnected with any reality of a living, pulsating, dynamic, local community. Now he's thinking in terms of the TV church. Now he criticized some of those people that I, well he criticized one of my favorite TV programs really. A great man that's doing a tremendous job. But he's pointing out the fact that if we come to the place where we make the electronic church the church, and that within itself, and no local commitment to the body of Christ, 
I think that it was his prediction in that article that we would see the faltering and the failing of the church more in our lifetime than ever before. Well, we think about the TV church and we see this person with a great deal of charisma. He is operating in a completely a controlled situation. His guests are always well-dressed and always very successful people. They have people who are capable and they have a flawless message to present, whether it be in word or whether it be in song. The event flows with motion and color and timing that only money could provide. You've heard this story, but it expresses exactly how I feel in relation to some of these beautiful things that you see on TV. Picture two old cows over here in a field eating grass. One of Earler's trucks on the way to deliver milk to one of the groceries here. On the side of that truck in big bold letters, they have a sign, pasteurized, homogenized, and vitamin A, B, and C added. One old poor cow looks over the other and says, that sure makes you feel inferior, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's about the situation here. Consider the situation. We come to a labored sermon Draggy service, the seats are hard, and the preacher admonishes us to love one another. In all probability, there's someone on the seat next to us that we don't even like, much less love. I remember a lady saying to me almost these exact words. She said to me, she says, you know, old Mrs. C. She said, that woman makes me sick at my stomach. She just makes me sick at my stomach. I said, how could that be? She says, well, I'll tell you how it can be because rain or shine snow or blow she's always in church always there i've never been to a service but why she wasn't there i have observed her even in the rain cutting flowers in her garden and taking to someone who was sick i can vouch for that i remember one morning it was very cold in the spring of the year and we was having a vesper service somewhere around eight o'clock and the lilacs were in bloom but you know the freakish nature at that time can be very cold. She cut some lilacs to bring to the service because she knew the preacher enjoyed smelling them. And on the way to church, she had no ride. She had to walk a mile and a half to church. The flowers froze in her hand. Well, when I thought about Mrs. C. too, that garment that I was wearing as religion looked pretty shabby to me too. I didn't stand so well dressed. I didn't stand so well dressed when I thought about some families in that church where I knew that they gave a tithe of their income. I didn't stand so well dressed in that church when I thought about some other people in there that were committed and dedicated faithfully Sunday after Sunday, year after year. Any wonder today, dear friends, that the trend is in favor of the electronic church not the church that calls for involvement in Jerusalem. Not for the church that calls you to a commitment at the foot of the cross to be revealed daily as you and I try to live together. Two things happened to me just before I came here that makes this thing a real reality within my life. Well, I got a call and said, Mr. So-and-so's dad, will you have his funeral? I said, I'll be glad to help the family in any way they can. I didn't recognize the name of the family, went to the funeral home. And I asked about the, the deceased and said, yes, he's a Christian. He's a Christian. I said, well, and a Methodist. I said, well, I've never seen him in church. He says, well, he's never been in your church. He's never been in any church in this community. 
But he's a Christian because he watches a TV, a religious TV program. Well, they were not there to bury him. And then it was within the week, I went to see a lady that I took into the church, and she had been faithful to the church for about four or five years, and she got mad at something, I think the preacher, and she stopped coming, and I went to see her. I went over to see her, and she was madder than a wet hen, and they were pretty mad. And I went to see her, and, well, she was, she was nice about it, though, because she invited me in and gave me a piece of the pie and a cup of coffee, you know, sugar coat the pills. And she said to me, she says, I am not coming back to church. I don't like that church. She says, the only time that you ever visit, anyone in that church ever visits, you know, it's your church. You know. The only time anyone ever comes to my home here from that church is to receive money or ask for money. Now, you know, that's pretty much truth. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much truth. Now, as we had our pie and our coffee, we talked on in a very nice way. I ascertained that she wasn't going to come back to church. I couldn't find what the real problem was. But she said in due course of the conversation before I left, she said that we were talking about the TV situation. And she had my favorite program too, and she liked it. And she says, yes, I am sending that program $25. And I could not help but say, have they visited you? And you know something? She didn't like that. She didn't like it. She didn't like it. I never was able to get through to her to help her to see the involvement of the situation in God's kingdom is best expressed in our relationship one with the other. Oh, we search for religion without a cross. It's a long way from the manger, the cow barn, the dirty marketplace, the stinking fish boat, the crossroads, the beggar, the trial of Jerusalem, and the average electronic church. Now, dear ones, the call of your church is simply this. It is the church that calls and aids me and encourages me to be my best. You make me aware of the fact that I have imperfections. And that's just a nice way of saying you make me aware of the fact that I'm a sinner. Only a sinner saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, at the pit of my soul, too, is something good as it is in yours. And the good thing that is there, to tell you the truth, is that I want to be like Mrs. T. I want to be as committed as she is. I want to be as dedicated as she is. I want to be able to reveal help in a time of need. I want to be an expression of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you quite frankly, I would quit the church tomorrow if I could be the type of person that even I wanted to be, if I could do it. I cannot do it without the help of my church. If I had the fact that I am a sinner saved by grace, then I betray the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through his grace and his saving power that makes it possible for me to be what I am through your help. I must demonstrate that I live by and on the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I must demonstrate that I live by the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ and not by success. Tell me, profitable servant, 
Have you earned your salvation? Are your best as filthy rags before your God? You see, if we say uh, that the Lord has given to us easy success, what does this make of Peter and Paul who were imprisoned and beaten and shipwrecked and gave their life? What does it make of the Lord Jesus Christ? We live not by success. We live on the promise of a living God demonstrated to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. My church calls me to give a demonstration of the fact that God loves sinners more than he loves the righteous. And I suppose that's the hardest thing for me to take right there. Because as I check my heart, especially when it calls me to sacrifice, when it calls me to commitment, and it calls me to dedication, when it calls me to give up something in order that I might be able to reach someone else. Tell you the God's honest truth about the fact that in some places within my heart, if you check it out, you would find I just soon to be indifferent toward those people and let them go to hell. But that is not our calling. We are commanded. Jesus said, look, we are going to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is symbolism. What happened there? Well, it's a place where they committed their total being, even their life, unto God. When we show no love for the lost, no compassion for those who are hurting, when we have no mercy for those who are accused, when we make no defense for the weak, we betray the best that is in our heart, the best that is in our soul, the best that is in our church, and we betray the best that we have and the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as there are streets, as long as there are marketplaces, as long as there are Zacchaeuses, as long as there are beggars and pig pens and prodigals, as long as these stinking, filthy, miserable places exist, you and I are not finished. We have a calling and a commitment to our God and to our Savior to lift his name and his message in every one of those places. Now, dear ones, we can do it reluctantly or we can do it with enthusiasm, with vim and vigor and vitality, realizing that it is in this place and these places where we honor our Lord and where we secure our place in the kingdom of God. Oh, our God, Help us to remember this daily, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 